0: right, welcome back. Episode 62 of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Max, aka Cards Max, aka Cards Max, the new Leaf CEO. Max, how
1: are you doing? I'm doing great. I think that's a funny news story to immediately jump into, given our love for Brian Gray as a real human being. Brian Gray has always gotten himself into some drama over the past several years. And I think is the epitome of a really good CEO who has been able to keep, I don't want to say really good CEO, but someone who's been able to stay relevant in the trading card game, despite having near zero licensing, which is incredible and very difficult to do.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, all right, well, for the listeners that might be ignorant, leaf, One of the minor card companies out there makes some decent products. Um, Max has had a fascination with their CEO Brian Gray for a long time. Who recently it was announced that stepped down. Seemed like he was like he just didn't want to work anymore kind of thing. Wants to spend time with his family or something. Totally whatever you do, Brian Gray. That's the rumor I heard. No, there's like a statement. Did you not read it? No, but the rumor
1: I heard was that Fanatics was going to buy Leaf. What? What <laughs> have you not been gossiping? Have you not been in the gossip trees? The gossip? No, wait,
0: give me the I gossip. Mean,
1: what? Do you... I mean, give everyone me. was gossiping saying fanatics is going to buy Panini, but some of the gossip that I heard was that, uh, fanatics buyout was imminent. What does
0: fanatics want leaf for? What? I mean,
1: they fanatics has been really big in the vertical monopolization and just owning every single entity that exists. Maybe this is just conspiracy theory, Max, coming out a little bit early at six o'clock. But
0: I I was also, last year I was saying that Fanatics was going to buy Panini like every week, I think, until it never happened. So
1: it didn't. But no, we love Brian Gray, or at the very least, I love Brian Gray. I respect him as a galvanizer and someone who's been able to stay relevant and not just stay relevant for attention's sake, but been able to always pushing the envelope of what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable for a trading card. Like, I immediately think of the Joe Exotic. Like, thinking about Brian Gray's tenure, I think of the Joe Exotic card with the autograph from Tiger King. The Harambe. The Harambe card from 2016. I think of the COVID virus card that was printed to demand and then cut from circulation. I mean, these are – I think of the Livy Dunn autos, who is now dating number one overall pick Paul Skeens, which I'm sure is a travesty to many of our listeners these are the things i think about when they're brought when i think of brian gray and they aren't exactly boring things
0: no and i'll give him credit; he brought in you know i think there's a lot of episodes where i've said that i would love some more music cards and uh pop culture stuff and he did something about it in some capacity i mean he got a lot of you know relevant pop culture figures to sign and leave pop century um, you know those cards have like a pretty strong following i think that if fanatics was interested in buying leaf that would be like kind of the main hallmark product that they're probably going after i would think
1: yeah leaf has a lot of individual licensing agreements i think i saw that like he specifically has like a long contract with livy dunn which which is obviously very interesting but even getting no i'm not even just saying that for shock value i'm saying that whatever like leaf does not have the biggest ammo or the biggest ammunition here they're trying to get talent to sign with them because really the individual licensees is all they have so it's either with money which i'm sure is limited or the way of i don't know i'm not a ceo i'm not i don't have the handle leaf ceo so i don't know all i know is that i respect innovation
0: and i we respect transparency as well innovation and transparency two of our favorite things
1: Brian Gray. He did both of them.
0: Yeah. Whether uh, or not of,
1: yeah. Speaking of innovation, I want to pivot a little bit to this topic we discussed last week. We were discussing, I specifically was discussing all of the radiating rookies that I bought mm-hmm. from yeah. Top Chrome, which is a new insert set or short print set or whatever. I think there's like 250 copies of these per player, but I'm panning to the camera now. This Corbin Carroll, this isn't just like this is just a cool image. I love Corbin Carroll, He's sick. And then I have a few alleys as well. Wow. And I'm setting them to get graded. So if you think I'm pumping and dumping, then fuck you. I'm not seeing these for another two months. So that would be a pretty ill-timed pump and dump. But Not enough people listen to this podcast for it to be a pump and dump, I don't think. Hey, don't doubt my ego and need to influence others. But... <laughs> the uh,
0: I, I feel like... Th- the radiating rookies, Max, after I've sat on them, sat on the idea for the week since you talked about them last week, I feel like they are dugout
1: peaks of Topps Chrome now. I I like that. It's like so as someone who is obviously really collector-centric in how I try to buy things, because I am a collector, but like I enjoy looking at the super short print autographs and not just from like a marketing flipping perspective, but like just from like a coolness perspective. I, and I also like math. You know, I'm a fail. I'm a wannabe math miner that couldn't make it past Calc 3. But I always think of print run math. And even since like the 2018, 2019 releases, think of Otani, think of Acuna. The short print variations, the image variations for about 2018 update have a print run of about 3,000 copies. And the super short print image variations have a print run of about 300 copies. I don't remember the exact way that was used to quantitatively analyze this print run math but i remember someone did the print run math and that is like the accepted estimates but the thing that's interesting regarding that is that tops golds are a print run of 2018 that year and for the most part the demand for the image variations always is greater than the demand for the base parallel and then that's even true with your normals that's intuitively correct right think about how people want a Soto Gatorade bath super short print from 2018 way more than they would want a Tops Gold. Or I'm guessing comparing apples oranges, but my point is still stands and is easily digestible. The Radiating Rookies aren't serial numbered. I want to say their print run is about 250 to 300 copies, but they're still a different image than the normal Rookie. They sell the flagship design. They have the cool, you know, design, the yellowish you know atomic symbol in the corner whatever it's unique enough to be really high in demand while not just being another parallel which is what at least drives me to it as seeing the value from it from a collecting standpoint
0: yeah and i feel like tops gets a lot of hate for not having the the rare inserts that panini offers in some of their products so you know they're trying something it's an innovation we'll see we'll see how it works
1: like as much as we like poop on fanatics a little bit for just trying to be a money grab and just trying to buy out everything and going into an industry that they have no previous experience with i want more innovation people are easy to be critical of innovation as just cash grabbing but you if you without the innovation you just get several years if not decades of the exact same thing with nothing to keep people occupied other than a new rookie class, which is probably of second-year players anyway.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we'll see how the radiating rookies go year by year, if that's something that's hold, if they start pumping them a little more, we'll see. But, Max, did you see this the sale of a black 2008 update Clayton Kershaw Tops card? I have not. All right. PSA 8. 2008 update. Clayton Kershaw Ooh. black. I think it's out of fifty-seven, fifty-eight. Think, I think I, I, I'm
1: lying. I think I did see that. Didn't they do like five thousand
0: or something? Nine thousand eight hundred forty-seven dollars.
1: And I know that was like the all-time record.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's, this, I don't know if this card is even like sold on auction before, but almost ten k for a Clayton Kershaw paper tops card. it's kind of nuts.
1: It shows just how much people love. Flagship plaque and it shows the value of having that tradition. It's why our golds are important. It's why our black parallels are important. And outside of that, and maybe gold refractors, and maybe red refractors, there's nothing else that really has that standalone year by year value. There's nothing else where it's like, wow, I want this for a Hall of Fame unductee. Yeah. and it's tough. I just
0: had to throw that out there in this episode to so so did. talk about them so much. Um, but Max, you went to a card show this week. And I always love just hearing living vicariously through what you're up to. So, so what what show did you go to? How'd it go?
1: I went to the Hobby Slam in Miami, Florida. I drove about four hours down. It is a two-day show on Saturday and Sunday. I was a little bit disappointed. It was a 300-table show. The local fanfare and hype for this show was very strong. And it, Even from a social media standpoint, I think it was seen as the show to fly to and to be at for that specific weekend. We have Burbank Card Show next week and we have the Dallas Card Show the week after that. And I didn't enjoy the room too much. I don't think the people that I knew that flew out for the show enjoyed the room that much. I sold about $3,000 of cards and I bought about $3,000 of cards. Um, The most interesting point, which... May be interesting to you as an individual, Tommy, is that every single deal that I did was with another vendor. There was not a single collector that I, or not even collector, granted, but even a single walker that I showed to, let alone a collector. I think Florida is a haven for whatnoters and repackers, just because it is a tax haven with no state income tax. So you had backyard for setting up. You had vip rips you had a few of the other bigger mystery packers that were cashing people out but oh that's kind of what i was surprised by i it was this it was meant to be this huge massive show and i did not sell to a single person that did not own a table either by them walking up to me or by me walking up to them
0: was this one of those shows that like has never been done before but now they're hyping it as like a 300 table show that like you mm-hmm. should fly to
1: no this was
0: i believe they did hobby slam for the first time last year so, but it's like it's a post COVID show. It's not yes. a show that's been it, it, around. Before. It, that's the
1: thing. It's a post COVID show. Jumping off that, there was no vintage in the room. Like usually yeah. I'll say there's very little or there's like 10 15%. There was pretty much no vintage in the room entirely, which is just rare. Um, there are a lot of logistics. So if you're running if you run a card show and you want to know what not to do, then listen to this. Parking at the convention center was $7 per day and $20 for in and out for both days, which is just a really bad experience if you are a walker. Um, I want to say admission was $10 or $15, which I get it if you're doing – I get it that the venue's expensive. I get it if you want to cover overhead. I'm understanding of that. But just to do the parking and to do the show admission, that's like $25 out the door, which is a little bit more expensive for a card show admission. Um, I think the table pricing was fine. I think it was $300 for the weekend, but I've heard lots of logistic issues with the loading zones and the tables underselling and they didn't sell out. To my understanding, they didn't sell out of all 300. It was just overall not something that many people were excited about as vendors, as walkers. They didn't, they started the show at noon, which is really, they did noon to six o'clock for saturday which is really strange
0: that's so weird
1: yeah so i just really i would probably drive to it again i did what i needed to do uh but i don't this would not be a show that i would fly to
0: dude i just feel like there's so many shows that are just trying to be too big too quick it's like you're gonna be way better off as a card show starting in a smaller venue, having it outgrow that venue and have the demand be there for like a hype, like oh we're a new big venue, like that sort of thing, than like oh this is a new 300 table show, all that your favorite influencers will be there, come jerk off backyard breaks or whatever. It's like five dollars hey, to, uh, <laughs> to make out with five dollars to make out with whoever that dude is in backyard breaks. Anyway,
1: but I, I but, but I have a really good counterpoint for that. Yeah, let's hear it. I'd say the Burbank Card Show is probably a top three to five show in the country right now. A year ago, they did not even run show number one yet.
0: Yeah, a year ago, Burbank Sports Cards was still the biggest card shop in the entire country, so it's, like, but that's, the thing, that's it. hey, hey, way you different.
1: you have the branding, you can have the marketing. That doesn't mean you'll get a good show.
0: Dude, but that's way different, though, because of the, like, Burbank brand, and, like,
1: they basically run
0: a card show every day in their shop.
1: That's yeah. That's true, but in terms of just getting enough people's attention to run a show like i feel like hobby slam i heard about hobby slam they were way better at the media and the advertising they had like veriswap and sgc and all these other companies at dci was there setting up and grading cards they were really good at getting the corporate sponsors and getting their name out they just their show itself just sucked
0: yeah because if you focus all your attention on advertising around the country and you forget to advertise to your local consumers, like you miss out on actually having like these like local collectors run walking around the show. That's like essential to having a good show for dealers. I think like, that's why I talked about it kind of last week with Alex, but like that Vegas card show sounds very similar to this hobby slam show where like everyone and their mom was there who was big on Instagram. And cards. Moms. But, but there was no one in their mom there as a kid and their parents or whatever as like, that's what Chicago shows are dope. Cause there's a lot of, you know, just like people walking around who
1: yeah. are spending I mean,
0: this, $20 or whatever.
1: Yeah. I mean, even compared to the local <laughs> show that I did, I want to say two weeks ago where it was almost all collectors that were just walking in the aisles and I was able to buy and banter and, and I could tell them why this trout card was a really cool one. And this trout card wasn't as cool. So part of it is just the dialogue that you get to have with other people. It wasn't, I will say I'm not going to complain about getting cash out out of $3,000 of baseball at prices that I found appropriate. I'm not complaining about that. They did a very good job of getting liquidity in the room, but the dealers were dealers that weren't very compelling, and I was let down from the show in general.
0: Do, what were the deals? Any notable deals that were made?
1: Any notable deals that were made? Any cool I bought, cards that were bought? I bought another Judge Bowman Chrome Auto. I now own three. (laughs) I own two PSA 10s and one BGS 9.5. All base. All base. It's tough to get color. That was one of my cooler buys. I bought an Ellie De La Cruz Tops Chrome Auto. I bought a Ronald Acuna Tops Chrome Auto. I bought a PSA 10 2001 Tops Each Rope rookie card, which is really cool. Um, PSA 10? PSA 10. Mm. So I bought that. I paid relatively strong on that. I immediately had a guy in mind who bought the Pujols PSA 10 from me paper. And I immediately hit him up and I'm like, hey, like, is this is this a U card? And he's like, I'm not trying to buy right now, but like, what's the number? And they gave him the number and we came out to a deal very easy. Shout out Kyle. I believe his handle is KC Cards, but he always has cool collecting taste. But when I saw, it's always fun when like you see a card and I'm like, yeah, I know Exactly, who is going to appreciate that card most? That's sick. Did uh? Casey did you buy cards
0: that underscore on Twitter? Wait, say that again. It kind of cut out.
1: uh Kyle is Casey Cards underscore on Twitter.
0: He has very good taste. Nice. Shout out, shout out, Kyle. Did you uh buy that 2013
1: jumbo Mike Trout patch? Um, I've had that for a little bit. I just wanted to show it off because it's just so cool. That's one of my Can favorite you... cards that I own right now.
0: I don't know if you talked about that card yet on the on the pod. Tell the well, people I bought card is. It,
1: oh it is a 2013 tops so in 2013 tops chrome had jumbo patch autographs which is just such a cool idea for a chrome product you have these extremely thick relic cards most of them have nasty patches the, the patch on my trout is like mid i'm not going to overhype it it's a three color patch but like the camo of the trout lettering is like in the corner um, it's a cool patch
0: it's a camo pat. It's like still camo. That's it. No, no, it is.
1: It's there's 10 copies, but like there's some like gorgeous ones, but it's also, so since it's a Chrome card, it's like a Chrome or Fractor that's like surrounding the relic. And then a sticker auto, which like, you can complain about sticker auto, Sure. But like, it's a super cool card. It's a card that some trout that's a little bit culty to trout collectors. And I haven't had many of them hit me up, but I don't really care. I mean, it's a little bit funny because the cards that, I end up holding the most, I think inherently are the cards I'm higher on the most because it's not just you sell it for 90% and you wash your hands and I'm okay working to try to find that to a collector or enjoying that to myself, i.e. collecting it myself. And those are cards that usually I'm set. Like I was at auction. I set the comp. I don't care because I know there's only nine more. If one of the other nine show up, I'll bid on that one too. And I, it's cool owning fun pieces of cardboard, and otherwise that would be disposable income. That would be very, very hard to justify for we're entirely discretionary. So I love owning yeah, cool cards like that.
0: That's a sick one. That's a sick one. I had to. I wanted to hear a little bit about yeah. it because I feel like they don't. I'm shocked that they don't really do those anymore. Like I feel like that would be a, something they would bring back now that they're trying to pump up, you know, cooler Chase cards
1: and stuff. I don't know. I think that was a one and done for that year. Like I think like they didn't do any other Chrome Jumbo Patch autos again um was that an update
0: crum- card is that update or no, is that just normal
1: normal chrome. but i'm looking through cards that i have in my grading pile right now and some of this stuff is just like exciting like i have this ronald acuna red sapphire at a five and it's just so clean it's is so- he not- is he liquid right now yeah because of the mvp race but i mean non-rookie stuff isn't but like stuff like that i think i mean i'm again i'm sending it to grading so i'm don't really care to say, it. fuck you if you think I'm pumping and dumping in my sphere of influence. But I won that at auction in a PSA 9, I think for like $189. That's not bad. And like, this is just such a cool card. It's a red right out of five. I'll chase red right out of fives out of most players just because they're cool.
0: I would have guessed that you paid like 300 bucks for that in a PSA I think 9. that
1: was like my max bid was like in the 300s. I love when that happens. I love when like my max bid is like strong because it's like... I, won't, I usually try to like think of... Yeah, eBay strategy tip. I just go on Gixon, I try to just... Before I even know what I think it will approach, just put my best number in the, into the Gixon so I don't have to worry about it. And then once the it's time to go, I either get outbid or usually it's something that's really far... Like my max bid was way higher than it actually went, which makes me feel pretty good. Or it will be like extremely close. Like I want a... Bobby Witt gold refractor auto from platinum anniversary. And my Gixson snipe was like 366 and the next highest bid was 363. And usually it's a minimum increment of like $5. So that means like I, my bid was like, I needed exactly like 366, whatever the number was. I was like within $3 of the actual bid behind me. So yeah, that's a fun fact. Cool
0: we love we love the eBay tips here. If you but, come here for nothing else, it's Max teaching you how to use eBay.
1: But Tommy is a LeBron James to Dwayne Wade Ali Ooper. He sets the item on his watch list when he's sober and he drunk bids it when he's inebriated. That is that is not the other true. strategy that I do celebrate. That, that doesn't is, require much planning.
0: That uh, was a viral tweet that I had like two years ago that Max just recently found out. Max, did now, you see account- that I tweeted?
1: I I knew originally, but I retweeted it because it was just timeless.
0: It's a timeless tweet. Um, Did you see the replies to my tweet where I got the Shohei card? I got a Shohei card in the mail like the night before or the day of his injury. But I posted the card like three hours before it was announced. And I was like, how can you not want to buy Shohei cards? And then a bunch of fucking assholes replied some bullshit to it. Did you see any of these?
1: I saw it a little bit. And then I saw you were like, how did I cause this? Dude, he goes,
0: some guy goes, does it come with a UCL? Um. Some guy says, does it come with a guaranteed successful Tommy John surgery? That's a weird one. I don't one. know. And then, because he tore his ACL, UCL, yeah, no fucking shit, you dumbass. I don't I know.
1: I am also, like, actively looking at Otani newly listed on eBay and just trying to find I was trying to find people that like would panic list really low, but I like I found like nothing. I actually did a tweet like about an hour ago where like I saw you know the Otani bat bag carrying yeah. Bowman Chrome short print. Yeah, you know, cool card short print from Bowman Chrome. I bought I bought just I bought one in preseason at like six hundred dollars in January Dallas, and I think they peaked in a nine at like twenty five hundred. So that's just as a testament to how crazy Otani stuff has been. But um point being a PSA 10 a week before the UCL tear sold for $5,500 best offer. There is one at auction ending tonight. And that last I checked is at 4,150 in a PSA 10. And I pretty much sent a tweet, sent a link to the auction. I pretty much said, hey, like last day, 5,500. If this ends anywhere near that 5,500, then that like really is just a testament to how strong Otani's market is.
0: Yeah, like I don't, I haven't seen many of these, you know, the Eric Whiteback, there hasn't been any, this card sold for this, this card now sells for this for Shohei, yeah. where it's dropping. I don't see cards no, really no dropping.
1: Card. I found, no. I, I did, I will say I capitalized on one panic sell deal. I was in like a Facebook on the Shohei Otani Facebook group at like 8am the following morning. And you know, the 2017 like mega box. Yeah. I pretty much picked up a PSA 10 of that and a BGS 9.5 of that for the same price of what a PSA 10 was doing before the injury. So you did get one panic seller. I got one panic sell, and I'm gonna do well in that panic sell, which is cool. That's sick. But How... oh, oh, sorry. No, no, you're good. Yeah, not no. Good. Last uh, thing on the Otani panic selling that I can think of that comes to mind is that the Bowman Chrome number one non-short print, not to be confused with the bat bag. PSA 10s were doing 50. Again, I know this market to a core, which is like really weird, but like they're doing 1500. They were doing like 1400, 1500 peak at the national. Then they were closely doing about 1200 to 1300 after the national and also right before the national. And then they were calming down at like the normal 1100 that they were usually doing. And then after the injury, they dipped to like 800 to 900, which is a pretty sizable like. I don't know my math, like 25% dip, give or take, 1100 to 850 or so. But that's why we want to get cards that are numbered, that are cool, that are parallels, that aren't just a boring base card. We aren't in 2020 where base cards are stocks and you can just buy as many as you want and invest. If you're doing this for money and you're doing it to hold, which I don't recommend doing, but even if you do own the cool shit, own the cool stuff. I respect you if you want to collect base. I respect any collector who wants to collect things, but that should be a sobering reminder about how items with a 2,000 or so pop count are way more volatile and susceptible to fall than items with 50 copies.
0: Clip it. Put it in your memory bank. Never forget that. Max, what else is on your mind before I transition us here? I feel like we've had a lot of great episodes lately. We had... Alex, come on, talk a lot about you know dealer life, life as a uh, car dealer pro. I'm ready to get into c- cards you sold on eBay. Unless there's anything else that you wanna you wanna rant about right now,
1: cards that I sold on eBay or bought on eBay, or I'm sorry, I misheard you.
0: Sorry. Um, other than the Jordan Locker 101 Super fractor getting put into a binder page, which was unreal, and that is cool. That dude, we might need to have that. Whoever did that might need to come on the podcast because of how amazing mm-hmm. that is. Um, but I just want to hear what you've been doing on eBay, Max. You didn't you didn't give us any taste of cards you bought at the show. I don't know what you bought. I don't. Know I didn't. The thing is, I didn't buy
1: too much. Like those, like Ellie de la Cruz, Acuna, Judge, Auto, Dietro. That was like most of what I bought. Um, I had my Paolo Banchero blue Donruss Auto get binned on eBay for a thousand. Which isn't bad considering I think I bought it raw on eBay for like two hundred seventy-five dollars and a PSA ten, and then it sold for so well, he's a thousand. So that's balling.
0: Cool he's balling in this FIBA
1: thing. I haven't even been paying attention to it, but it's cool. Paolo, I I'm loving Paolo. I think he's fun. I have in my hand a really cool card that I bought off Twitter. It is a David Ortiz tops now ALDS. I don't want to say retirement card. It is captioned. Crowd thanks Poppy as legend says goodbye, and it's a PSA 10 2016 tops now auto. It is the blue parallel out of forty nine, and it says it doesn't say thank you. It just says thank thank Red Sox nation. I assume that meant that's meant to be thank you, but it just says thank thank Red oh, Sox yeah. nation. That's an inscription
0: inscription on the card.
1: That's pretty sick. Yeah, and I bought it at what I thought was a good price, and it's on my desk, and that's what I think is cool um i am really ready to submit stuff to psa i so did a submission right after the national and i've been stockpiling since i think i have about 13 cards to submit to beckett rcr and i think i have five for psa 40 dollar, and maybe 13 or so for psa bulk psa bulk is super slow don't submit bulk right now you need to have a more expensive this is just a pro tip You need to have a more expensive service level in your package if you're submitting bulk right now. Otherwise, they will not be opening the package. I have a package that delivered on August 7th at PSA and is still unopened and unchecked in because I only have a bulk sub-level there. But I sent out another package that arrived at PSA on the 18th of August, and it, it was opened on August 23rd. So if you're a rookie or you're a newbie, and you have a bulk order, have another order in there, hopefully one that you generally want to do. There's a thing that you can combine the tag on the, like the check-in tag that you would also put on your package. You can combine all your orders into one tag. So then once they open up the package, because they need your express order, your bulk order is also there, and it's probably going to be checked in at the same time. So don't just submit bulk if you just have bulk. Jessica, they...
0: They need to have some higher-end thing that they're like, oh, we got to open this package to grade this card. you know. Pretty much. They're getting things, to yeah. the
1: bulk, but when I was calling PSA because I had a little fiasco where PSA and FedEx both dropped the ball, it was a little bit scary, but the packages were covered. But while I was on the phone with them, I was like, hey, this order hasn't checked in from August 7th, what's up? And they're like, yeah, the, the, the earliest we're checking in packages right now is from, January, from July 27th and that was when the national was. And that's usually the case. They usually get backlogged around this time of year. So keep that in mind. Do
0: you have to wait on call, on hold as long anymore on customer support for PSA?
1: Yeah, I have them in my speed dial. I have them as a safe contact. And <laughs> at 10 a.m., which I will be doing tomorrow because I need to call them, I will be going on my phone. I will be pressing the PSA button. Also, if you, I love speed running the PSA, like speed dial, the PSA automated tone feature. You just go to your keypad, you press one and one, you wait 10 seconds, press one and one, and then you wait 10 seconds again and you press one and one, and then you're on the callback queue. Because they give you like 30 seconds of jargon.
0: Yeah, they give you the like, press two for random shit. Oh, it's like, person. oh, if
1: you need to go see your order, go to PSA.com and go to orders. You know, it's like, is your order still there? And then you have to press one. But oh my God. Well, no, pro tip. I've never been first in line. I think my high score is even after doing the speed running is like sixth in line. Or like, <laughs> even if I call straight at 10 AM and I speed run it, it's be like, you're the sixth caller in the callback. And like five people called before me. <laughs> Who are you? Who are yeah, you Max in line? Yeah. I want to give you a handshake.
0: <laughs> Max, did you, uh, before we do eBay buys, did you see the swap drama from this week? Yeah. I, do, how do much you have- do you well, here's what I know, and then you can yeah, fill in the hopefully. gaps for me. Um, I saw Ryan's cards put out a tweet being like, this is ridiculous from Veriswap. It was like someone had traded a Trevor Lawrence optic auto for something else, or they, they got a Trevor Lawrence optic auto and a trade on Veriswap. It was a raw card. It had been deemed by Veriswap to be a quote-unquote like clean card or something. They have like a zero to eight scale, which seems super arbitrary, but... um card was clearly had some scratches on it like was not and was not by any means a you know we've talked about how funny the word clean is as an adjective for a card but did not seem like a clean card to anyone um and then the veriswap ceo sends a voice message to this guy saying like this is why i don't think people should trade raw cards there's too much uh whatever subjectivity to it like There's a lot of dangers to it. I honestly think you putting this out there is going to be like saving us a lot of time, trying to tell people about the dangers of trading raw cards. Basically saying like, thank God you had this experience. Please tell everyone so they don't sell, they don't trade raw cards on our platform anymore. It's like, shouldn't you just, like if you're worried, my take is like, if you're going to say some shit like that as a customer support person for your company, maybe just don't accept raw cards make it a strictly graded card trading platform. I don't know.
1: yeah, it was weird because part of the my understanding of his rationale was that we are a middleman service and you are seeing how this properly shows demonstrates our ability in middleman so this is actually a positive if you decide to shout about it and while also simultaneously just hinging on, we threw this BS stipulation in our TOS, That's cool, but it's in our TOS, fuck you, was the main takeaway. And just because it's in our TOS, that's law, and you agreed to it, and so you're doing it against your will. But, yeah, so to amplify, just you pretty much summed it up. Seller, who is a pretty respectable seller, rise above cards, he did a trade on Veriswap. The seller was very shady. Excuse me, he bought the card on Veriswap. The seller, or the trader who sent the card out, was knowingly very deceptive about the card condition, I think to the tune of where the the acquirer, because there's no buyers and sellers, the acquirer rise above essentially lost like $500 worth of value on the card. And it was a little interesting because like Veriswap was on Ryan's Discord server, Ryan's cards LLC, great guy, runs a really interesting marketplace. But, and the server has it so that there's 3% middleman fees on the server. And for the longest time, Veriswap has been at 6% middleman fees. So Raymond was doing a bit, Raymond, the Veriswap CEO or whatever, was doing like a little bit of self-promotion that like maybe he shouldn't have been doing. And then adding on to this Veriswap drama, he gets like, after this Veriswap stuff, it's like he was, on you know, he was not welcomed in that server anymore. But then that server also was doing 3% middleman fees, while Veriswap's doing 6% middleman fees. So after he got kicked, and after all this drama happened with this Trevor Lawrence, Veriswap announces that they're now dropping their middleman fees from 6% to 3%. I saw that. I actually got an
0: email. I got an email from Veriswap. Oh, they've been everywhere. Yeah, like, how do they even have my email? I don't know. Oh, I have my Do Not Disturb not on. Nice. Yeah. Um, But we've talked about Veriswap. I feel like we've kind of followed it, since it's kind of an interesting idea and platform, but... Not good looks for them this week.
1: Yeah, I think part of it is that they're banking on this just fading away, and I think that's the idea for most companies. I don't know, man. Like, the company has money. The companies put probably tens of thousands of dollars into their marketing budget. They're not going away, and they want, probably would want this to be ignored. But uh, I don't know. Just, don't just don't restrict it. To, this- yeah. Yeah, not cool. Veriswap bad. No. They're on my show. Veriswap shirt. bad. Just
0: if you're going to do some shit like that, just restrict it only to graded cards. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And they've been okay for graded cards.
0: Yeah. So that's that. Max, what do you buy on eBay this week or do you want me to start?
1: What have I bought on eBay this week? I'm going to my purchase history.
0: Hey, I'll, I'll start. I'll start. I got it up. Okay. I, bought, I got, I'm excited about this card. It's a baseball card, it's not a gold cup. I bought a 2011 Topps Triple Threads Relic uh, Red Parallel out of 36. And the card is Tim Lincecum, Buster Posey, Matt Cain with Ooh, the 2010 World Series Champs uh, Triple Threads. It's actually my first Triple Threads Relic I've ever bought in my life. Um, but I've been after these for a while. Can I guess you
1: how much
0: you paid? Yeah, guess how much I paid for it out of 36. Out of 36? Remind me of the subjects. So we got we got Tim Lincecum, Buster Posey, Matt Cain, who are probably like the 2010 team. Other than like Brian Wilson, probably like the three most important yeah. guys to the team.
1: I'm going to be aggressive for you, and I'm going to say
0: $56. So this was actually a newly listed instant snipe. Uh, it was $25 plus $5 Ooh, shipping. that's good. Pretty nice. I've been looking at these relics. They're kind of like one of those like title run cards that i've wanted to have for a long time but haven't found one that was like under 30 dollars. they usually kind of sell between 40 and 60 dollars. so you were spot kind of spot on on what they usually go for um it was 25 or best offer and it was one of those ones where i was like i'm not gonna wait around for an offer i'm just gonna i'm just gonna
1: If if it weren't for Posey, i would have put lower
0: yeah that's fair um they they're not particularly interesting patches like one of them's a bat relic and then the other two are just white patches. You know how triple threads, like sometimes yeah. they have like a bunch of different things. Yeah. Like, That's cool. Our boy, uh, who posted that card? Rich Moy Cards posted that uh, Ichiro triple threads relic. That is nasty. So if you want to see a sick Ichiro card, go follow Rich Moy Cards. That triple threads relic was nasty. Um, my only other buy this week on eBay since our last episode was a twenty seventeen Denard's man black out of sixty six for two dollars free shipping, so light light work for me on eBay this week max since we recorded last.
1: Nice. So what do you got? Off, I'm proposing. So I mentioned the red sapphire Acuna and Bobby Witt gold tops chrome tops platinum anniversary auto, which is weird that I'm buying Bobby Witt rookies even though we're just about the end of the twenty twenty three season. Um, I bought a. Panini Photogenic Paolo Benchero Gold Auto out of 5. Excuse me, out of 10. Um, If this card sounds familiar, it's because it is. Uh, This is now the second one I own. Um, And I also bought the jersey number one too. That one was jersey number. So I own 20% of this Paolo Benchero Gold Auto print run. I have hyped on this podcast that I like Photogenic and that I like that it's Panini's attempt at Stadium Club and it's a niche online exclusive product. It has good photography. It's a gold auto out of ten. So I feel like I'm not like reaching too much by trying to get these. Like it's not like it's a random parallel. It's a gold gold auto out of ten of the number one overall pick. So I feel like I'm not going that crazy here. But if I'm picking them up for like sub five hundred dollars raw from China, where they're not sending them the PSA, then yeah, I will. I'll buy them. Um, I bought. A radiating rookie. I bought two radiating rookies of Michael Harris. I bought a radiating rookie of Anthony Volpe. I bought a orange tops chrome out of twenty five of Jordan Walker, the true, not the wave. I bought a gold. Sorry, I bought two Volpes, not not just one. I bought two Volpes too. I bought a gold Michael Harris tops chrome auto out of fifty. And last but not least, for this week for eBay buys, I bought a contenders ticket stub out of thirteen of Keegan Murray. Nice variation. Hegan so, Murray.
0: I like, I like Hegan Murray a lot.
1: I really like this draft class. I'm just going to be, just say this a lot. I, I really do like this NBA bat draft class. I am not sure where to take my flipping avenues since with baseball, if I sub anything out to PSA, it I'm not banking on it being back by playoffs, but it's, but baseball is fun and I love baseball the most. And I'm always going to be buying baseball football. We're starting in two weeks. I want to get out of the new season hype before I buy more football. And basketball has just been like, we are starting basketball in early October. I believe it's not late September. I believe it's early October and it's late August right now. And I'll keep putting my money into basketball. I'm exhibiting being a basketball collector. I'm enjoying, like that's the thing, like when I'm being this evil dirty flipper thing, like I'm enjoying being a Paolo Fanchero collector and a Chet homegrown collector and josh giddy collector in the interim in between the season and i just love owning dank cards of them right now even if i'm eventually not gonna have them forever i just enjoy the fact that i'm able to own like a Paolo Caboo.
0: that's sick i i'm definitely pro you buying basketball cards because i'm always interested to see like what what you're into because honestly i was looking at photogenic cards literally right before we recorded this podcast because i was like seems like a product that will be decent long term as just like this is like a sick product i think most basketball card collectors will respect it going forward even if it ceases to exist in the long term so i'm a thumbs up that purchase which is rare for you in basketball i actually i actually imagine
1: if like the john morant luminance failed dunk over kevin love were a photogenic card and yeah it would be more than it did in chronicles that'd be crazy
0: Luminance had had a chance, you know, with that card if they had built off that card and made like a bunch of sick Luminance cards going forward, it would have been dope, but I feel like that's just such a one-off weird thing now that 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 random line in Chronicles is never going to be remembered, but um so at Basketball Max, I've been listening to your your basketball buys for the last couple months. Yeah. Seems like you're really only focusing on like Contenders autos. Like rare, the like kaboom downtown whatever insert rare inserts, and then you're floating out random other ones sometimes like the choice optic or whatever I've seen you buy like
1: yeah it really like the- so this is my hypothesis right like I I go and look at either fifteen hundred or two thousand five hundred eBay those things a night I don't really want to do the math of how many I pick but it's like I just know each page is two hundred forty pages. And I do like three to four pages of each of my queries and I probably have three or four queries that I look at. So it's a lot. That's the point being it's a lot. And I search by ending soonest and I look at auctions because most people are unreasonable with best offers and I don't want to waste my time. And I know whether the seller likes it or not, the card is being sold (laughs) on an auction. So, and what's ending soonest is usually just dependent on what's being ripped and for what's being ripped. It's more and more prism and higher. For basketball, it's just higher end. That's really the only thing. Like these items have like, you know, Kabooms and downtowns, Contender Autos, Random Prism Autos. That's what they're getting. I mean, I think I put it at like $250 or higher or something like that. I don't know. And that's just what shows up on a night-to-night basis. And it's not like, and it's interesting because I've been doing this for months. It's generally just not U.S. based accounts. It's not like backyard bait breaks is ripping a case of Prism and they're putting it all on eBay. It's like most of this is just all from China that's being consigned and being sold to the U.S., which is fascinating. It is fascinating.
0: I'm. Have you been following the saga with this Instagram account, Max? That's that... vague. Is it sorry? It's super vague. There is <laughs> an Instagram account, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you because I know you're not on Instagram too much. Yeah. Um... I'm going to give you the app before I start this story so yes. you can look it up. Um, okay. And I think. Shit. What's this guy's at? Fuck. Anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to find it while I start the story, but basically there's a guy out there. Or not guy. It could be anyone um, yeah. who's been posting some of the craziest cards of all time. Like a lot of the like triple logo man from the mid two thousands, like all these one-on-one. Um, all right, here it is. It's Kimmy with a K, NG, Kimmy NG 143, all one word. Okay. It's like some of these, it's like the best Michael Jordan cards. It's, you know, it's a, mostly Bulls cards in general, but there's also just like Steve Nash, Logoman, Auto. Like every card that's posted is like a one on one, basically. Okay. And no one knows who this is. They started posting about a few weeks ago. Um, all they post is absolute bangers, like nasty one-on-one crazy shit. And it's all like kind of two thousand. It's like from like 98 to like 2013 kind of cards. Um, no one knows who it is. This is like a serious amount of cards where it's like, this is like well over $10 million in cards. I think if they were to like all be liquidated, Mm -hmm. um, no one knows who it is. It's probably China based. Um, But if you want to look at some sick cards, go at KimmyNG143. There's a lot of... Instagram is kind of going crazy with this. Like, all these influencers comment on all these cards because they're trying to figure out who this person is, but it doesn't look like this person replies to anything.
1: Okay. I'm trying to find this profile, and I don't see it. KennyNG143.
0: No, Kimmy. Kimmy. K-I-M-M-Y.
1: That's why. Sorry. I'm like, Kenny. I don't know Kenny. Oh wow! This is some cool Michael Jordan relics and autographs and dude, they man. got a
0: David Lee logo man. David
1: Lee, are That's we sure nice. this is like them or they're? Oh, well, it's all in the same I... background,
0: all the same background, all just nasty bangers, all raw cards. Like, can modern baseball gridded?
1: collectors be like this? That'd be so much cooler, dude. This
0: is like. I don't know. I'm kind of speechless with how nasty this is. It looks like the person has the National Treasures Steph Curry logo, man, rookie.
1: My but it's like my, my problem with high end basketball is this, it's all from the same uber high end products, while high end baseball is from a much wider distribution of products that are all available in retail. And I get that like international superstars are more significant, like basketball superstars are more significant than baseball superstars. But I I don't know. I I just like, this is never about baseball when it's with like these uber high end collections. And that, that hurts. That hurts as a baseball fan for modern, obviously you have vintage collections.
0: Yeah. It just, it's just another reminder that there's people out there who have been collecting since the nineties who might not even be showing people their cards and not grading them. Like all grail cards that could just be kind of like floating in single people's collections because they were just super hot on stuff that has, you know, gone berserk in price since they bought it, and they don't care about selling it. And you know it's just something sitting
1: there. about this guy's collection? Yeah, it's all tops and upper deck. I don't see a single Panini card.
0: I've seen there are a couple Panini cards, uh, but only like early, because I went through it too. Uh, he has some like absolute early absolute stuff, um, some timeless treasures logo men in there, but it is mostly. You're right. It's mostly tops, upper deck, exquisite stuff. Um, And it's mostly patch autos and patches. It's not a ton of like non-auto, non-patch cards.
1: Yeah, I think it's like these players, like Jordan and LeBron are billionaires. They're so rich that they don't need to sign their name for anything.
0: We didn't talk about the tops now LeBron. Did Did you
1: see that? I did see it. I thought it was cool. I thought it prompted some interesting what ifs. But I don't think I remembered it after the following day.
0: Yeah. Uh, like I guess the there's... They,
1: Would you like to what? break the news, Tommy, about what that is? Sure. I, I feel like if
0: you listen to this podcast in 50 minutes, you probably have seen it. But basically, there was a Mookie Betts and LeBron Tops Now card that was put out. And there's rumors since Upper Deck took LeBron off of their website as like one of their spokespeople or whatever. LeBron's been exclusive with Upper Deck, I think, since... I think for a long time. Um, so there's never been autographed Panini LeBron cards uh, during his run. So pe- there's a lot of speculation that fanatics now owns LeBron's rights, that they can put out cards with his face on them and that they'll take over his autograph rights as well. So there'll be tops Chrome autos of LeBron when it comes back and everything. So that's the speculation. The card was like kind of underwhelming with Mookie, but it is cool that there's a LeBron Mookie card out there that had never existed before. i Excited to see what other sort of weird LeBron stuff I feel like. Fanatics will certainly squeeze, squeeze the lemon as hard as possible there with LeBron, just squeeze all the juice out of it. Um, it'll be obnoxious, I bet, in the long run. But in this beginning stages, it's kind of fun.
1: Yeah, and I'm pro fun,
0: and we're pro fun, and that's the episode, Max. Do you have any uh, final final thoughts? Final card you want to talk about before we sign off?
1: Do I go clean shaven or porn stash? Or full facial hair. Reply tweet. Please reply tweet.
0: We'll see you guys next week.